Hello, hello. There we go. <clears throat> Good morning. How is everybody? Good. Y'all don't like uh, traffic and crowded beaches, huh? Decided to stay home? <clears throat> I don't really like that either. I work on the weekends, so most of the stuff I do is during the week. And when I go and do something on a weekend and there's crowds, it's just not my thing. We went out on a Saturday night for ice cream a little while back, and there were like people in line that I had to like wait to get my ice cream. It was disastrous. But um, yeah, big crowds, people, forget all that stuff. Um, so this morning we're continuing in the series of Christ Culture Communion, and an email went out, if you get the emails or read the emails, that said uh, this morning it was going to be consumerism versus generosity, um, but that was actually Tim's from a few weeks back. This morning is consumerism uh, versus contentment. And we're going to be in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6. So if you have your Bibles, um, let's stand together and read 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting in verse 6. Uh, It's going to come up on the screen as well. 1 Timothy chapter 6. I think I, I, wrote, I put the wrong translation down. I think I have a different translation here. Okay, so you can pay attention to that, but I have a different translation. 1 Timothy 6, verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It's through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called, and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Um, Let me pray. You can um, all take a seat. Lord, uh, we come before you this morning. And I pray for myself and for each person sitting here uh, that will come with honesty, with openness, with self-reflection, that as we hear these words and we talk about this topic, um, that we won't look at the person next to us and say, oh, they, they struggle with that, they need to hear that, or we won't think about that person at work or that family member or somebody within this church or a friend or a neighbor. Um, Lord, because every single one of us in this room, young and old and in between, uh, we all struggle with consumerism, and it motivates a lot of our decisions and the way that we view the world and the way that we view people and the way that we view church. Um, Lord, so teach us and guide us and change us this morning through your word. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Um, So I'm going to be using 1 Timothy as kind of a point of reference. Uh, Typically, I like when I'm given a passage and I'm told to talk teach on that passage. It's just 
the expository type of teaching is my comfort zone. So when Tim gave me a topic, uh, that's a little more difficult for me because topics, you have to use like all different scriptures and bring them together. And sometimes I wonder, is this my thought? Is this God's thought? You know, stuff like that. Um, so I'm not going to be, I'll be digging into First Timothy chapter 6 and using it as a frame of reference. But overall, we're going to just be talking more about the topic of consumerism and materialism and then what God calls us to, which is contentment. Now, to lay some groundwork first before we jump in, um, we need to realize that God created the world and everything in it. It says in Genesis that God created and it was... God created and it was... There we go. um, The material. Everything around us, God created and it was good. Way back in college, for some light reading, uh, I read St. Augustine's City of God. Um, Ever heard of that book or read that book? Anybody read it? Yeah. Uh, Read the Cliff Notes. It's 1,100 pages and was written in like 400 AD. So uh, it was more of a pride thing than like, you know, I was like captivated by, by it. But in that book, he talks about how Sin is not a creation. Sin is only a distortion and a misuse of what God has created. So sin is only when we take something of God and we use it for the wrong purposes. So with that said, everything that is created is good because it was created by God. It's just that distortion of what God has created that is sinful. So the material is good. Consumption is necessary. Who ate breakfast this morning? Nobody. You all must be so hungry. You uh, took a shower, hopefully. Uh, you probably had something to drink. You slept last night, potentially. Um, Oliver, we're trying to get him to be able to sleep through the night without wetting his bed. And uh, last night, before he went to bed, he said to my wife, I want, because we're, we're giving him like the prize of a bicycle. His sister got a bicycle for her birthday. And we're like, if you can sleep through the night without wetting yourself. I'm still working on it myself too, so I can understand the struggle, but we'll get you a bike. And so last night, uh, I was shooting a wedding, but um, last night he said before he went to bed, I want to start working on that so I can get a bike. And um, I said, oh, thanks, hon. You're potty training our son the night before I have a sermon and waking him up every half hour. But um, some of you got sleep last night. It's, It's necessary. You all thankfully put on clothes this morning. Um, Thank you for that. In the heat of the day or when it's raining or when it's snowing, you find shelter. You live somewhere. We have needs and we consume because it's part of how we were created. Consumption is necessary. Now, where it transitions to iniquity is when we have a preoccupation with the material and it becomes materialism, where we're so focused on stuff and what we can acquire and the next nice thing, it becomes materialism. And when we crave and desire more and more, and more. Just give me a little bit more. Just a little bit more. A little bit more. It becomes consumerism. It goes beyond consumption and becomes consumerism. As Paul 
writes in Romans chapter 1 that they traded the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator. They became materialistic and consumeristic and it no longer was about what God could provide, but it was what they could acquire. But God calls us to something so much different, which is contentment. So 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. Why is it gain to be content? I believe it's because that's what everyone is striving for. Why do we want that renovation? Or why do we want that nice house? Or why do we want that new job? Or why do we want that raise? Or why do we want that new car? Because we believe that once we get it, we'll be happy, we'll be content, we'll be satisfied. And what Paul is saying here to Timothy in chapter 6 is godliness with contentment is the gain. Because if you can be content with whatever you have, that's the good spot where you want to be. Contentment is being satisfied with what God has given us. Contentment is enjoyment of what God has given us. Verse 7 says, We brought nothing into this world, and we cannot take anything out of this world. But if we have food and clothing, with these things we'll be content. We all came into this world the same way, naked and screaming. And we're all going to leave with nothing. We came in with nothing and we leave with nothing. It all stays here. And in between, whether we have a lot or we have a little, we just need to say, thank you, God, for what you've given me. The popular and famous chapter in Philippians, Paul says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every and any situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want. Some of us right now, we feel or the reality might be that we're living with little. And Paul is saying, be content. Some of us are living with plenty. And living with plenty is not a bad thing. Paul doesn't say, if you have a lot of stuff, you're sinful. Like there was one time in the gospel where Jesus told somebody, go sell all you have, give it to the poor and come follow me. I don't think that's the call on everyone's life. That was the call on that man's life because Jesus could see your possessions are your God. I need to be your God. So you need to put that aside and come and follow me. I don't think that is the call of everybody. Having plenty is not an issue. What we're called to is if we have little, be content. If we have a lot, be content. But we believe the lie, every single one of us, that if we had just a little bit more, we would be content. Or we believe that we don't have enough. It's, it's just a little bit. I bet most of you, although you'd like it, most of you aren't saying, I'll be content if I win the Powerball. It's probably not what you're saying. But if you're making... $40,000. Man, if I could just get an extra $10,000 a year, man, what a difference that would make. Or if you're living in a, a certain house, man, if I could just have a little more square footage or a little more property, or if I could just do this renovation 
or if I could just buy this food, or if I could just have a little more money so I didn't have to cook as much and I could dine out more, I could go to more movies. If I had a little more money, I could vacation. I could get a vacation home. Just a little, I'm not asking for much, just a little bit. That's the temptation, is that our current circumstance is not good enough. We need just a little bit. It's like that carrot in front of you or that uh, dollar bill on the fishing line where you're just like, oh, if I could just, oh, just, oh, just one step. And it's a distraction from the reality of being content and thankful for what God has given us, no matter how much, no matter how little, being satisfied with what we have. But Paul goes on to say, those who desire to be rich fall into temptation into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, not money, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. What is your little bit more? For me, it's house renovations. And for my wife, if we could just get our house completed, then we can rest. Then we can be content. Then we can enjoy. But you know what's going to happen. That's going to be completed. And then we'll say, well, once we get the yard in order, once we get that pool, once we create then a living area around that pool, well, you know what? Our house is good once we get that vacation home. And then once we renovate that vacation, you can see what I'm saying. Like my income, I was, uh, pastors don't get paid much and I was a pastor for five years. And my income when I first became a pastor was like 30, like 25,000 a year or 30,000 a year. And it was enough. I had a roof over my head. I had food. I had a car. I could fill it up with gas. Uh, I didn't have kids because they, you know, suck you dry of all your money, but, uh, you know, I had what I needed. And then, (laughs) amen, (laughs) sermon end there. No. Um, And then I, well, I was a ministry leader, and then I got a job as the middle school pastor, and I got a little bit more. And then I got a job as high school pastor with oversight of middle school, and I got a little bit more. And then I transitioned to photography, and I got a little bit more. And each year, just get a little bit more and a little bit more. And you would think if I looked at the ministry leader, Mike Morby, with that salary and then thought what I was making today, I'd be like, dude, I'd totally be content. But no, that lie. Just a little bit more. If we can get a little bit more, we can renovate our kitchen. Just a little bit more. But Luke 12, 15 says, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Life is so much more than what we own. And when we focus on the possessions, what happens is we're looking at what we want and we become dissatisfied with what we have. Or we're looking at what we want and we miss the enjoyment of what we have. Just saying, you know what, God? This desire for maybe something we want to do or if we get a little bit money, more money, something that we want to spend it on, that desire is not bad. But it is bad if I look at that and I can't be content with where I currently am. If I can't enjoy what he's blessed me with. And then even when we start to get that stuff, 
then we're still discontent because then we have to manage all of that stuff. I was listening to an interview with a guy that's a minimalist. So he tries, he's not like one of those tiny home minimalist guys with like one outfit. Um, It's more just like the minimalism of, do I really need this? So he still lives in a 1,600 square foot home and that has, you know, three bedrooms and he has clothes, that sort of stuff. But he'll look at his life constantly and say, do I really need this? And the turning point for him was one spring where he was out spring cleaning his garage and his wife was inside cleaning the house. And he's got a little boy and the boy came in and the dad said, hey, why don't you help me in the garage? We'll, we'll organize stuff, get stuff together. And the little boy lasted about five minutes because he found a baseball and a baseball bat. And he says to his dad, who's just around this mountain of stuff, says to his dad, hey, dad, just can we go out and just play baseball for a little bit? And his dad says, no, you know, we got work to do. He goes, well, can I go out and play baseball for a little bit? And the dad says, yeah, sure, go. You go play baseball. I got to keep working on the garage. Fifteen minutes later, the kid comes back and says, dad, please, can we just play baseball? It's like my son, Oliver. He just, dad, can you play a game? Dad, can you play all the time? Play, 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 play. And I'm always saying, wait, just wait, just wait. And there came a point where he's organizing this stuff that he doesn't even use. And he looks out and his son's in the yard throwing up the baseball and swinging at it by himself. And in that moment, he looked at all of this stuff and said, I'm spending so much time managing my stuff that I'm missing out on my life. Because stuff breaks and it needs to be fixed. Stuff gets dirty and it needs to be cleaned. Stuff gets old, and we need to buy new. Cars break down, and they need to get repaired. I was cleaning my house the other day. I'm the cleaner guy. And it took me a good, like, two and a half hours. And I just thought to myself, man, those people that have a one-bedroom flat and everything's there, probably clean it in, like, 30 minutes. And then they can go and enjoy their life. I'm not going to be doing that, but... What happens is we have all of this stuff and then we spend all of our time managing that stuff and we miss out. We miss out on time with people. We miss out on the ability to enjoy what we have. Psalm 37 says, For the little which a righteous man has is better than the riches of many. Because the person with little can enjoy life and what they have and the people around them, and time is freed up. Have you ever been uh, on a missions trip or traveled over to a third world country? I've been to Honduras, um, Panama, Senegal, Mexico, and I lived in the Dominican Republic for a year. And one thing in common between all of those countries is that they had so little, yet so much joy. We went to a house uh, in Mexico And this woman fed us a meal that was a month's worth of wages for her. It was like 20 people on this mission trip, yet she did it with such joy. So little, yet so much joy. And I think it's different for everybody. My my line might be different than your line. I have to look and I have to evaluate and I have to bring it to God and say, where is the line for me? And I also have to stop comparing myself to those around me. And I need to just focus on what God has given me and be thankful for it. 
consumerism. Not only does it affect us and our family, but it also affects people that we don't even know. Jesus often talks about the least of these, the forgotten, the poor. Our consumerism impacts others. One example is the clothes that we wear. In 1960, 90% of clothing that Americans wore was made in America. 90%. What do you think that percentage is today in 2016? How much of our clothing is made in America? If you're here for a service, no cheating. 3%. Clothing, and this, I might be wrong with this, but clothing is the only product since the 1960s that has experienced deflation. Every other product that you consume has experienced inflation, but clothing has been deflation. Yet the cost of the raw materials to make clothes has gone up. What's happened is the cost has gone up, but the cost to make it has gone down dramatically. And therefore, we can get a bargain on clothes that we never could have before. When I was living in the 60s, you know, I... At what cost, though, are we getting that good deal? The majority of the world's clothing is made in Bangladesh. And the workers in Bangladesh that make our clothing are mainly women and children, and get on average, and I know these are just like out there statistics that sometimes don't have emotional impact, but this is the truth, that on average, those people are paid $43 a month to make our clothes. That, and you might say, oh, at least they have a job, and that's the common misperception, but no, that is actually perpetuating poverty. Because that little amount, nobody, no matter how poor the country is, can live on $43 a day. It is acceptable in Bangladesh to beat your workers. Back in 2013, there was this large clothing factory, and the workers were looking at the walls falling apart. And they kept saying, we need to fix it. We need to fix it. This is unsafe. Yet the ownership said, we can't fix it because if we spend money on fixing the building, then the cost of our clothing is going to go up and we can't compete. The building ended up burning down and crumbling while people were in it. You might have heard this story. 1,130 people died because of the conditions that they were living in. And so we might think it's over there. But our consumerism as the United States of America has a global impact. And I'm not saying let's feel guilty about that and let's walk around and and not buy anything, but we need to raise awareness of how our consumerism impacts our lives, the lives of the family, our families, and the lives of others. Because it has a great impact. Watch the movie True Cost on Netflix. Talks all about the clothing industry. And how our consumerism and desire for consumption is impacting people around us. Only 10% of clothing that we donate actually gets used. The rest goes to landfills. So it's like, oh, well, I have it and I donate it. Only 10% is actually going to somebody. The rest is going in the trash. At what cost? And do we even care? We need to open our eyes. Now, consumerism goes way beyond the material. 
Consumerism also goes to other areas of our lives, one being technology and entertainment. I am a technology and entertainment junkie. Consumption. At night, none of you do this, so it's only me, but at night, scrolling through Facebook, scrolling through Instagram, scrolling through Twitter, it's consumption. It's taking in, taking in, taking in. On average, a person checks their phone 50 times a day. Now, I saw other stats that said 150 times a day. I saw less. I saw, you know, all over the map. But even just 50 times a day, people are just doing that, checking, consuming. What else is there? Take it in. On average, people watch five hours of television a day. I don't even know how that's possible. That must be, I don't know, some like 45-year-old that plays video games and lives in his mom's basement. I'm sorry if that's one of you guys, but uh, (laughs) five hours a day, consumption, consumption, consumption. Now, again, where is the line? And what my wife and I try to say to each other is, you know, if I I see her there scrolling on Facebook, she usually says it more to me because I'm not one to like prod. But if I'm there scrolling on Facebook or sitting and vegging and watching a movie, she asks me the question, is this filling you up right now? And that's the real question because it's different for everyone. There's no, like, you should only check your phone this many times a day. You should get rid of this account. There's no general rule. It's a gray area. But we can all ask the question, is this filling me up right now or is there something else I could be doing that would benefit my time? Now, we love doing movie nights. We put the blankets out for the kids. I get to nap during them. Um, We pop popcorn. We put on a movie. Um, Oliver was snuggling with Carrie the other day when we were watching a movie and he fell asleep and she said, I'm in heaven right now as she's snuggling with him. Going out to a movie with friends, going to a concert, going to a show. You know, even sometimes checking in on Facebook and wishing somebody a happy birthday or congratulations on the new job or your kids are looking so good. Like, whatever it may be, like, there is healthy consumption of technology and entertainment. But where is the line? And I think oftentimes a lot of us cross that line over and over and over again where we're just filling our time. And what happens with that is we lose the ability to have genuine interactions with other people. It's especially true um, of, no offense to teenagers in the crowd, but, you know, just constantly checking, and you got the person sitting next to you, scrolling through Facebook. Oh, that's really funny. Let me text that to my sister. Did you get my text? No, not yet. Okay, I'll come through. Just hold on. I got, it's, it's really important. I want to tell you something. You keep on scrolling. You know, or I grew up where we all, and this is not going to happen in my house because I saw the impact, and it might be okay in your house, but in my house, I saw the impact of everybody having a television in their room. My sister and I would be watching Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, the same episode in different rooms and laughing and talking back and forth between the rooms. Let's just hang out together, spend time. But we're losing the ability slowly to interact with those around us. Long car rides is the best time with my wife because things are turned off and it's just us. We have the best conversations. Campfires. We had some friends over the other night, and they brought a movie. I said, well, let's go down and, and 
do a campfire instead. And that was just such sweet and good time together because we said, you know what? Let's not get distracted. Although a movie would be fun, let's not get distracted by entertainment and let's have some quality time together. We also lose the ability to sit in our own presence. Um, I believe it was uh, Plutarch, Stoic philosopher back, you know, the time of Christ that said that a healthy mind is one that can sit for a long period of time in its own presence. So clearly my mind's not healthy because I get in the car and I'm like, talk radio, turn it, you know, put, put on the music. Or if I'm, I'm home and the kids are down to bed, it's like, okay, what can I fill my time with right now? But how often do we just sit and be and take it in rather than taking in all of this other stuff, consumption, 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 Consumerism also impacts our view of people. Tabloid, gossip magazines. It's hard not to look at those. I want to see what, you know, Princess Kate is, you know, up to and her current trends and dress, you know. Did Jennifer Aniston finally get pregnant? I need to know. How are Angelina and Brad doing? I really want to find that out. It's hard not to look. I have to not go down the magazine aisle or look at the candy instead of, (laughs) it's more consumption. Ah, consumption, consumption. But sometimes we view people as if they're there for our consumption. Hollywood is there for our consumption, taking it in. You've all heard the phrase sex sells. Consumption. Sexuality, which God created to be good in the concept context of marriage, has now turned into something for consumption. Pornography is the consumption of other people. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And when we look at somebody else and think they're there for our consumption, we're going against what God has created sexuality to be. So if I see somebody over there and they're looking good, And my eye gets drawn. Basically what I'm saying is I'm not content with the wife that God has given me. I need to look elsewhere to fill myself up. That's what we're saying. Guys, we struggle with it. Girls too, I'm sure. But guys, we struggle with it. Consumption, consumption. It has permeated the church, our culture. It's everywhere. You can't drive down the road without seeing a billboard. You can't turn on the TV without seeing a commercial. You can't go on the internet without Google knowing all of your spending habits. You Google something, and then all of a sudden it's in your Facebook feed. And you're like, that's just a little bit freaky. Or in conversation, one time I said a product, and supposedly if you have your microphone turned on on your phone, they're listening This is probably just conspiracy theory. But I was talking, and all of a sudden it showed up in my Instagram feed, that product. What? It's all around us. You can't get away from it. We're drowning in a sea of consumption and consumerism. And the only thing we can do is cling on to the cross. Consumption, consumerism, has brought its way big time into the American church. Where are the best programs? You've all heard it. Church shopping. 
Like that's just, that's a common word. I'm church shopping. I've said it without any harm. You've said it, but church shopping. Let me go to a church. How's the teaching? Is it entertaining enough? Or is it moving enough or passionate enough or scriptural enough? What are the programs like? Are they good for my family and for my kids? What's the building like? What's the atmosphere like? Is the lighting good enough? Is there fog machines? Do they put the lighting down during worship so I can get more into it? Consume, consume, consume. And without even realizing it, a lot of American churchgoers choose their church based on consumerism rather than based on what is God doing in this place and is this where I need to be? In Parker Ford Church, a lot of the discussion, and we are all in this together. I said at first service as well, none of us are innocent. We all bring consumerism into our view of Parker Ford Church. I, I'd like some more programs, personally. I want small groups. I want, I want, I want. But what has God called Parker Ford Church to? It's clear, and even standing up here, I'll say it, that Tim Deering is the best preacher that we have. If I'm going to invite somebody on a Sunday, I'm not inviting them when Mike Morby's preaching. I'm inviting them when Tim's preaching. We want the best, and it's okay. But when we come after it with a consumeristic mindset of, I need Tim, because I need to be filled with what we, he has to say, it's consumerism. And hitting a few nerves, one of them as well is, we pay 100% of Tim's salary as a church. Therefore, we should get 100% of his time. That's an exchange. That's consumerism. Rather saying, we're giving 100% of our tithe to God, and God can figure out what he wants to do. If God is calling Tim to things that aren't 100% of his time here at church, I personally think that we should not get in the way of God and what he wants to do. The two greatest commandments are love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love others as yourself. Can any one of us, and I'm glad Tim's on vacation that I can say this without him being here, but can any one of us say, that that man does not love God with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that he does not love others. I was a pastor at a church that had 10 pastors on staff. And I was part of networking groups, kind of like Netzer, where I'd interact with other pastors. And I've never in my time met somebody that seeks after God the way that man does. And as he seeks after God, we should just say, you know what? I'm content that I have a pastor that loves the Lord. As he seeks after God, I'm going to follow after him. But rather, and we're all guilty of it, I am as well, we bring consumerism. And we place our needs, our wants, our desires, our consumption on Parker Ford Church. We focus on what we want and desire rather than on what God wants and desires. And yeah, there's a lot of things right now that we're missing as a church. But if I hear Tim say, I feel God's calling us to just be patient and wait, we need to say, God's appointed you and we trust you. 
Because we sometimes think, like I've already said, we don't have enough and we need a little bit more. And once we acquire enough, we will be content and happy. If Tim wanted to, he could have this church just explode numerically, not physically. Um, there's a guy, uh, Phil Carnuccio. You guys ever heard of Phil Carnuccio? He, he's a big deal in like Downingtown, Westchester area. But in early 2000s, he started a ministry called The Bridge. And I was at that first service. And it was geared towards young adults. 50 people sat in like a 900-person auditorium. First night of the bridge. Within three years, it had blown up to 1,100 young adults. Now, this, this isn't, there were some older adults and there were some high schoolers, but they were a small minority. It was 1,100 people 20 to 30 years old. Amazing. But what Phil started to find out over time is that all of these people were coming, one because of his teaching, another because of the worship, and then the third was because I'm single and there's 1,100 young adults in a room together. (laughs) Consumption. And eventually, he looked at this and said, this is a mile wide and an inch deep. This is not good. It became Phil Carnuccio worship. And so he said, you know, I got to break away from this. And he went and he church planted in Westchester. And from day one, he said, this church in Westchester called Providence is only going to get 50% of me. Because if they get too much, it happened. He, he did high school ministry, had 250 high schoolers at its peak. Then he did young adult ministry, 1,100 young adults at its peak. After he left, he saw them both just fall apart. And the reason they fell apart, because it was focused on Phil. And he said, you know what? When I go and plant this church, it's not going to be Phil. It's going to be God. So he steps aside 50% of the time and lets other people lead. And in its 10 years, it's probably up to about 500 people, which is still a good bit of people, but it's not what it could be if Phil was the center of attention. We need to be content with what we have materially. We need to know where to draw the lines when it comes to technology and entertainment. And we need to be honest as a church with how we're bringing consumerism into this place and how it's impacting what's going on. And be content that we have a man that loves the Lord with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength leading the ship. Most churches have issues because of the senior pastor, the lead pastor. That's where their issues come from. And we got a guy, a uniquely gifted, passionate, God-fearing man, and we just need to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's not let our consumerism ruin that. So 1 Timothy 6 ends with, But you, man of God, flee from all of this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, Love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. It's a fight. And he's saying flee. That word is used when you see a roaring lion coming at you. You don't go at it and you don't stand there and look at it. You run the other way. You flee. Paul is saying consumerism, materialism, get away from that stuff. Flee from that stuff. Pursue the things of God because a desire for more is going to ruin you. 
you're not going to be able to enjoy what you have in this life. You're never going to be content. You're always going to want more. That next extra thing. And you're just going to have a miserable, discontent life. But rather just stand there and say, God, this is what you've given me. Thank you. I came in with nothing and I have more than when I came into this world. Thank you. From birth to death, everything in between is on loan. We're not taking it with us. So if that person next to you has so much more, or that church down the street has what you want, to not look at that, but to look and say, God, this is what you've given me. Thank you. Now, the thing here is that this battle cannot be fought in our own strength. Becoming a minimalist, or giving away everything, um, or selling your phone, or disconnecting Facebook, or selling your TV, all of that stuff is not going to free you from consumerism, because no matter where you turn, you're going to see it. The NBA is actually going to start putting logos of um, businesses on their jerseys. And then it's going to be football, and it's going to be small, and it's going to get bigger, and then all of a sudden, every sport's going to be like NASCAR. And we're just going to be covered in logos. And before you know it, Somebody's going to invent a really big beam of light that's going to project the McDonald's logo on the moon. And then you'll go out and you'll be like, man, I have a hankering for fries and a shake. I just don't know why. Our, consumer, our culture is not doing less with consumerism. It's getting more. Selling you, selling you, selling you. The only way to escape is to come to the cross and say, Jesus, I need to be filled with you not all of this other stuff. And when we start filling ourselves with him, that other stuff starts going out. The Bible says you can't serve both God and money. There's no room. It's a choice. Fill ourselves with him or fill ourselves with stuff. And you can, if you want, to your heart's desire, try to fill yourself with stuff. But if you look around the world at people that have a lot of stuff, Majority of them are miserable and they want a little bit more. But if you look at somebody that is filled with God, man, there's something different. A joy, a contentment, a peace that the world cannot offer. So what we're going to end with is communion. Tim this week, as I was prepping for this sermon and talking with him, um, said this and I thought it was awesome, is more isn't better. Better is better. Christ is better. And in John chapter 6, Jesus has his largest crowd because he just fed them with loaves and fishes. Largest crowd. And typically, people would say, hey guys, we're just going to scale it back a little bit. We got a lot of people with a lot of opinions and a lot of backgrounds. We don't want to offend anybody. So let's, let's scale it back. Jesus does not do that. When he sees crowds, he ramps it up. And he says to these people, just imagine this. I mean, we've heard it, but just think about this. Jesus looks at these 5,000 and says, if you want to be a part of me, you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. My flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. If you do not eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. They're probably like, cuckoo, (laughs) eat him. They leave. And Jesus turns to the disciples and said, are you going to leave too? They said, who else has words of eternal life? We will follow. 
Was Jesus saying, and some believe it's called transubstantiation. Some believe that Christ actually becomes the body and the blood. Catholic Church and other denominations believe that. And then on the other side is that that was symbolic. And that's what we believe here at Parker Ford. It's symbolic, him saying, fill yourself with me. Stop consuming what the world has to offer and consume me. Take me in. Let me fill you up. Let me satisfy you. I will bring you joy and contentment like you've never felt before. It's him, not our effort, that will make us content. If we have him and zero possessions, if we have him and illness, if we have him and just a completely messed up life looking around us, if we have him, we can sit in the midst of that and say, at least I have you, I'm content. And in order to come up here, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians that confession needs to happen. So, Corey's going to play a little bit of music, either through the speakers or up here. And what I want us to do is just sit quietly and ask God to reveal us, reveal to us where is consumerism in my spending? Where is consumerism in my pursuits? Where is consumerism in my view of church and family? Ask God to reveal that stuff to us and just say, I can't get rid of this. My phone keeps on buzzing. I want to turn the TV on. I got to drive down the street. I'm going to see the billboards. We got to say, Jesus, help me to put that stuff before you and cling on to you. I don't want to fill my, my life with this stuff. I want to fill myself with you. So we're just going to do a little time of reflection. Um, thinking about that, and then when you're ready, um, Josh, actually, after a little time of quiet, he'll come up and just guide us in communion, and then whenever you're ready, you can come up. So, Lord, we come before you, um, all of us guilty. All of us guilty of filling ourselves with things that don't satisfy, and we know it. We know that feeling when we get done with overconsumption or that focus on materialism and material things, we know that feeling of emptiness. Or sometimes, you know, it's like a, a number one at McDonald's. It feels good for a little bit, and then afterward we say, man, I should have gotten a salad. We know that feeling of something that might taste good at first, but it then just leaves us empty. Lord, and I pray that this morning, as you reveal things to us, um, Lord, that you'll help us to overcome them and to work on them and to recognize as we go throughout our day and we go throughout our week, we recognize what is consumption and what is consumerism. We realize what is the material and the good and then what is materialism where we're turning that created thing into our God and into our focus and into our pursuits. Lord, I want contentment. I want joy. And I seek after those other things in pursuit for that, but it's elusive and it fades and it goes away.
And the reason is because the only way I can find contentment and joy and peace is when I focus on you and I take you in. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the people in this room. I thank you for the leadership. I thank you for Tim. I thank you that we're a people following Christ. Lord, and and especially in this church, help us to recognize um, the ways that our consumerism is hindering what you want to do. And it might take some humility and confession and going to people and saying, I've been a consumer in this area and I'm sorry. Lord, but just heal us and fill us. In your son's name we pray. Amen.